Welcome to Fickle Juice Podcast with Erin O'Rourke and Chelsea Byrne. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the various lands on which this podcast is recorded on and listened to, and pay respects to all First Nations people. Dance, storytelling and other rich cultural practices have existed on these unceded lands for thousands of years. My name's Deepa Money and um, I'm a Melbourne arm-based um, performing and teaching artist um, and uh, artistic director of an Indian classical and contemporary school by the name Chandralia. Beautiful. Do you want to take us right back to the beginning? What led you to dance in the first place? Um, I think my mother, my late mother, led me to dance. Um, she hooked me up at about when I was five and a half um, and introduced me to Indian classical, which is Bharatanatyam, which is what I specialize in. Um, and I had no idea what I was getting into, to be honest. Um, didn't even realize I would make a career out of it. Um, I literally cried for the first six months like a baby saying, I don't want to go, I, I don't want to do this. And she was like very patient with me and said, just go try. Try it for a year and if you don't like it, you can give up. That's, to- that's totally fine. And after six months, I never looked back. And, you know, I was spending almost three, four hours with my teacher, watching other people, watching her perform and uh, never really looked back. And my mom, um, you know, was so proud that I made that decision not to stop. So that's really when my journey of dance started at the age of five and a half. And I haven't stopped dancing till then. Was there a point that you were dancing through your life and you decided to make it a career? Like, do you remember any pivotal points in that progression? I think for somebody like me, I, dance was always a parallel. It was always running through the chapters of my life. Um, and obviously breaks, you know, when you do like your grade 12, you know, you kind of step back a little bit and then you want to take a little break. So I've had those little breaks. And uh, when I moved continents, that was something that that was still running. I was part of a dance company. But I think um, making, I knew that it was going to always be a part of my life. It was actually when my, when my little one was born, um, I realized, and after becoming a mother, uh, it's important not to keep doing your nine to five. And you start to question yourself about the greater purpose in life. Um, and that was a turning point for me when I thought, you know, geez, I can't be doing this nine to five. It wasn't a nine to five. It was probably nine to nine, um, slogging away and then realizing you've got so much of knowledge from three different teachers and why can't I just, you know, give this away, um, to people who, you know, who, who can really make, who can really make the same benefits, if not more like I did. Um, and that's when I said, when he was three, I said, you know what, I'm just going to quit my job. And my then um, CEO was like, no, 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 you don't, don't do this to us. Just go take a break for three months, do whatever you want, <laughs> start your dance school, but just don't leave. And I said, you know what, I can't do, I can't do half enough. I've just got to take, put a halt and then kick this off and then see if I can come back. And I said, sorry, I've just made a decision. And it was a very hard decision to make, I guess, for any of us. But when you make that decision, you know, we're very clear about what our path is. And I was very clear, I just need to do this. Um, and if I fail, I'm okay, but I just want to give this a go. I don't want to die not realizing I, I had a chance, you know. 
So I did that and I never looked back, but I went back. Um, I, you know, I've, I've, I've sort of made it a part-time as well, but it, it, was, it was the best thing I've done. Um, so that really was my turning point. Um, I think this, the other turning point was the timing of when I started was when my mum was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, and that was the painful moment when it, she was at the last days of her life when I realized, when she realized that I actually named the school after my mum's name. That's Chandralia. Her name is Chandra Prabha. And it was a very bittersweet moment because um, she was so proud of me that I'm, I was doing this, but she could never convey that to me. Like she's mm. too proud. But she had told everybody, you know, uncles and aunts, how proud she is that I did this. Uh, um, so it was a, that was a very tough moment, and I think the what I've done, I feel now is after her passing away, you know, when you you kind of understand what grief is when you lose somebody, you um, and and I feel like I've ch I've channeled that grief, that energy into my school, and then dance has been a real medicine for me to be able to cope with that loss um, and be able to sort of turn that around as much as possible positively um, to impact people mm. in a good way. How do you manage it all, having a school, having an artistic practice, having a family? Um, are you? Do you have an, still have, I was going to say a muggle job, do you still have another job outside of dance as well? Yeah, I do a few things. I, um, I'm a little crazy on that, I guess. I stopped going full-time into my IT job um because it, that was just insane i would my my eyes I were getting out of my socket working seven days um and running my school so i i do consulting work for it organizations which is only about three days so that gives me the flexibility of slipping in mm -hmm. and out um and obviously i run my school for four days a week um on the e during the evenings weekends are gone for me during a school term i'm in the studio the whole day um, thanks to my husband and son who are very helpful to sort of, you know, take care of themselves during the weekend. Um, and I also do artistic projects with, um, say, Regional Arts Victoria mm. and other arts organizations. So I do some contracting work to go into schools to talk about diversity and to run some workshops. So I do that too. So I kind of go in and out of all of these um, and that keeps me going. It really motivates me that I just don't have one thing. I have a few things going on. It also keeps me busy, so. Do you ever feel overwhelmed with everything going on? I do sometimes, and um, I think I also have a, a traveling husband right. who travels every other week. Um, so it's it's a lot about planning. Mm. Um, so our calendars are all set, and in organization-wise, we are, we are really organizing our time. Um to, to take care of the little one and manage the family. So I think, um, I mean, uh, yes, I'm just like anybody else. I do feel overwhelmed, but I just um, try and have breaks in such a way that I can manage when I'm going into an artistic project and then I'm slipping back into an IT gig. So I try and keep that as um, as palatable as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. incredible. I had no idea that, that, that you did so much, so many different things, so many facets to your life. Do you ever feel like you wish you could give more time to your artistic process or are you you're happy with like how how you kind of have these different facets in your life? 
I think I'm 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 currently um, contented. The only thing I want to do is it, I also don't want to increase my student base to say you know like some of the others have like hundred and two hundred. The other reason is because considering where my age is, I also want to improve my artistic practice. Mm. Um, so I want to keep learning. So I've got enough to give my students. Yeah. Um, I'm also a contemporary dancer, so I want to make sure that I'm able to establish myself and do projects with other genres and other artists. And this is probably the right time for that, to keep mm -hmm. experimenting. And if I let it go, um, I'd probably be too old just to do that. <laughs> um, so I feel like I'm, I'm in the right place where I can spend that time. And that's one of the reasons why I didn't go to full-time in the corporate world. Mm. Um, and that gives me the time to sort of spend, you know, like dance house and to be able to do that. So I, I feel like I, I'm, I'm okay there at the moment, although I would love to do more. <laughs> can you talk a bit about um, how, what led you from doing quite traditional Indian classical dance into the contemporary landscape and how that kind of merged for you? Yeah, so I, I was very much into classical for the first, what, 15 years till I graduated, um, like how, you know, in ballet they have your graduation. And then I moved to the States to do my higher studies. Um, and that's when I was associated with a dance company, which was a South Asian dance company, which did about um, a few other forms, like it did do Barsanati in the classical, but also did something called bridging and um, contemporary. Mm -hmm. Now, that was very different to somebody with a very classical mindset with training for like, you know, 12, 13 years. And it was so good to see that change of how you can actually move Bharatanatyam to the other end of the spectrum. And that really intrigued me. And I didn't even realize Bharatanatyam could be viewed as a contemporary form. Mm. Um, and that really opened my mind and the possibilities were endless. So we were doing fringe festivals in, in DC and participating um, doing contemporary, and that was the best thing. So that's when I realized classical art forms, regardless of which area it's coming from, can be expanded into a contemporary um, genre. And I started to learn what that means. Um, and fortunately, when I moved to Australia, my guru then, my guru here is Dr. Chandrabhanu, and he was also a contemporary artist apart from being um, a, a Bharatanatyam teacher and artist as well. So that really helps me to sort of keep pulling that contemporary part of me a little bit wider. And that's when, when I became a teacher, I was like, I just need to keep doing this because it teaches you different um, flavors of how you can push this art form. Mm. Um, yeah, so I don't teach contemporary, but I'd I do projects with contemporary, so... I just want to come back to something too that you said you mentioned about the the kind of current state that you're in or the the phase that you're in um in relation to going out and experimenting with new things and um fueling your practice essentially what are the things yeah. that you're finding at the moment are really um fueling your practice stirring things up keeping you interested um Disrupting that classical element is where my mind's at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, um, disrupting the view of how people carry classical um, is an interesting experiment on its own. For example, um, sometimes audiences are so sort of excited with how they want to see things mm. um, and sort of introducing a disruption there to 
give them, allow their minds to think a little bit broader is where my mind's at. So for example, the fact that even Bharatanatyam um, can collaborate with everything else um, is could be a shock for some people. Um, why not? Uh, because there are so many similarities in, in all of our classical art forms. And just trying to tease that and getting a little bit deeper with that um, is that itself is very empowering, empowering in a, in a diverse land like Australia, because you then start to see collaborations happening with other artists. And when, when, when the younger generation sees that, a lot of stuff happens in their head. Good stuff happens in their head. They start to realize that diversity is through art is, a, is an important message to reach their mind. Like when they feel like you put a tap dancer and a Bharatanatyam dancer on the same floor and you see that they can move to both kinds of music, that's very powerful. Um, that's, that's, that, that itself tells us that you can coexist regardless of where you come from and what your practice is. Um, so that sort of uh, thing drives me a lot. Um, and I started doing a few collaborations with hip-hop artists, and I also reached out to a tap artist who was doing something at the moment. And then obviously through dance, I was, uh, I'm currently working with a ballet dancer mm -hmm. to sort of um, work that a little bit more. And I think um, that's really where I'm trying to sort of break that norm of um, introducing Bharat Najim to a wide um, audience, not just confined it to my South Asian community. In doing that, have you also been like learning um, other forms and bringing them into your Bharatanathian practice? I do want to learn hip hop. I've always been interested in that <laughs> because it's just so, it's something that's always in my head. And, and it's also good for a um, somebody like a classical artist my, like myself to learn to move in different directions and honor that as well. Mm. Um, so I've been learning some basic hip hops um, to be able to sort of loosen up and understand how this, because we, 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 we hold our body a little bit more tighter for Bharatanatyam, like firmer. Mm. And for contemporary, we let it go. So I've got that element, but then completely changing to a Western form. How does your body respond? And I'm trying to also work that in my head. Um, so yeah, at the moment, just hip hop is where I'm playing a little bit. You've done so many things and you juggle so much. What do you find the most challenging? Getting funding is the <laughs> worst thing. I'm sure you guys can relate to this. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just that, I don't know. It's just, I particularly feel in Australia, it's harder. Mm. Um, I just feel like it's very challenging, um, is that in relation to when you were living in the States or? Yeah, I feel the pockets are big, a little bit more uh, broader in, in the States. And yeah. It's also a big size country. There's a lot of huge ethnic population who's been living there for a few uh, decades. And so there's more widespread understanding of some of the art forms. And so there's a, there's a lot more avenue, I feel. But I think in Australia, it's still a difficult thing to to pitch, mm. and particularly me representing somebody like me, um, somebody like myself representing South Asian. It's very hard for them to understand and and it's to pitch. And I feel like I've, I'm just tired of doing grants. Mm. And I keep telling my mentors like it's. I just you know I'm not. I can pay and someone and have them write a grant. It's just it's just gone to an extent where 
either the idea is not too strong or it's just they're not aware or or we're not seen mm. by the people who are on the decision table it's that's that's where it's 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 that's where i feel dance house is doing a, an amazing job to try and gear all of us um to be to show traction and for people to see us create different art and see how we can all merge i think that's been the difficult and very challenging um piece the other thing is also um sometimes it's very hard to collaborate with people it's just because you've got to find the right mindset and you know the energies have to gel mm. and i guess i have to say covid hasn't helped with that it's sort of um so it's really hard to find um the artists to work with and and the time so i would say the fundamental thing for us is yes we've got ideas we want to put that to work but it's expensive to try and get a project out mm. and at least some sort of a funding or some sort of a an element should help us to get there like investment um that's been pretty hard for me mm. what other avenues have you taken to be able to create what you've wanted to create look i do put some sponsorships i do that that sometimes works uh but you know the the project that i'm showing at dance house that one is quite an expensive one because it involves multiple people to be involved to create music and dance and that really requires a lot of support um so that really requires to do like workshops and things like that so i'm at, i'm in the process of planning all of that to see how we can have multiple channels like crowdfunding and things like that and i'm also learning about that in terms of the business world how do you go about and do that um so sometimes i put in my own money and that's not sustainable and we all know that because it's something's got to give like you know um and i've realized after 2021 that i'm not doing that because you know i have a living and i've got to pay my bills and if i keep throwing <laughs> the funds to i it's it's hard to run everything and keep a business running so um so i'm i'm very open to exploring venues so i try to work with you know mentors and understand what else is there um and i'm trying to explore these new pathways like crowdfunding running workshops um to show pieces of work so it doesn't it's not a full blown work but this sort of try and see if we can attract people to understand and mm. and see if it relates to them to be able to give us something i think that's a great thing that you're doing in terms of not just like developing um a funding avenue but in terms of exposing what you're doing and you know the the art forms that you're working with to a greater audience Oh yeah thanks it's just hard it's just it's the I think the most the single most difficult thing being running a business is actually the admin work so if you're doing a project and you have to do the admin work and be the creative person oh, it's yeah. that shift in your mind and sometimes does your head in you know you've got to send the emails you've got to do this and yeah so it's but i guess you have to do that and i remember talking to stephanie uh, my mentor and she said she had to do a lot of it now she's got a team but she said that is something that you have to learn and i've realized that that's actually helping you a lot to understand the ins and outs of the process mm. of creating work and that's actually knowledge you're gaining and you're actually becoming more and more confident to be able to have conversations with possible investors or be able to pitch the idea because you've done that admin work so i've i've realized over time 
that's not a waste of time. Mm. You just got to hold it and just just keep doing it and try to be smart about it in terms of timelines. Yeah, it's definitely not the fun part of the work. <laughs> but I guess it makes you more grateful. I mean, when you get a team together and you don't have to do it, maybe it makes you more grateful than you just can make the art. <laughs> oh, God, that'll be one day, isn't it? When we all have teams and we just have to one rock day. up and do the creative. <laughs> I've often thought about like, I don't know, it's not really a model, but an idea of like, I don't know, having a collective where you, um, I mean, everyone does the admin, but you don't do the admin for your own work or you don't do the promotion for your own work. So you can create your own work and then someone else can do all the backside of it. But then you're doing like the, um, did I just say the backside of it? The, behind the back end. Behind the, the backside. <laughs> All the same. Um, yeah, like you're doing behind the scenes of someone else's and they're doing the behind the scenes stuff for you. Um, like taking turns. Yeah, or not, not necessarily, yes, taking turns, but not necessarily just taking turns. But like what would happen if, you know, I produced Erin's work and Erin produced Deeper's work and Deeper produced my work and we but we were still just working on our own work. I don't know. I think that's a great idea because you learn a lot about how the other work is being done and I think it's a great idea. One thing I'm also interested in is collective because that's really mm-hmm. that that's really that really changes the equation. You, you 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 really learn to work with a lot of people and how they move and how they create art Mm. how do you find the people that you work with like where do you find them you know sometimes I just I don't know I don't know it's just I just (laughs) I you know they say insta the socials and everything have a little bit of energy to it Mm. like you see them you see the stuff and then you get energy so um the, the the artists that I've worked I'm currently working with on the touch project you won't believe I just spotted her in one of the Frankie magazine interview. Oh, wow. And she's a woman of color and she's ballet. And that intrigued me. Mm. Wow. I've actually haven't met a woman of color ballet artist. Mm. Um, and she's from the UK and she's, um, she's in Australia. She's settled in Australia. And I was like, wow, let me hear what she has to say. And then I Googled her and I learned about she running, she's also running another organization called Rebel Steps. Um, and I, I, was, I learned about what she does and I just, I just reached out, mm. not expecting anything, mostly expecting a rejection. Yeah. <laughs> but, but whatever it takes, I'm just going to reach out and say, are you interested? Blah, blah, blah. And she was like, yeah, let's, let's try and catch up. And we did, we didn't actually get to touch. Touch only came back two years later. Mm. So I, we did a photo shoot together about um, a, a cultural piece. And then we did like IWD, International Women's Day. We did a bit of a panel. So we did a few things before that to sort of see how we, that just came about it. Mm. And then we realized, hey, we've got this project. We could we could try and do something mm. here. And that's how it came. So I guess for me is because I started this business, I the first thing I've had to lose is just ask yeah let them say no <laughs> and I've just feel like in the last four years I've gotten better at it I used to be a bit shy like oh I don't know what they're gonna think of me what they're gonna say and they you know just ask and 
Don't be afraid to get a no because that then you'll know that you have another path to take. 100%. Chelsea and I were actually speaking about this the other day. You just have to shoot your shot. Just ask. Just slide into the DMs. These <laughs> days it's just e- it's so easy. You may as well. <laughs> I know. It's just it's it doesn't hurt, you know? At least they know that at least you know that you've asked and you've tried. 100%. And look where it leads, like this one connection that you've made and look where it's led you. It's crazy. It's a, it's a skill, I guess. We all have to <laughs> develop and get better and better and better at it. Absolutely. So I guess you could say like these connections sustain your practice and um, the different avenues you work in sustain your practice. Is there anything else that sustains you to continue in your practice? Uh, oh, absolutely, you know. Learning to say no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Big one. I haven't been good at it, I have to admit, but um, I've started to prioritize that. Then I guess for me, for somebody like me, the quality drops if I just keep saying yes. And I think that's something, and I'm always worried about what the other person thinks. Mm. And that's something I've had to learn to not. And that's something, I think that's that comes with age. <laughs> Like once you hit like that 40 mark, I think you feel like you don't care about what the other person thinks. It's like, that's it. You you know, like, you know, the people pleasing, all of that comes into play. But I guess that something changes because you just feel like you've got to be at peace with yourself. Mm. Yeah. And learning and it has to start with you learning to say no for the reasons that are right for you. Yeah. So that's something I've tried to sustain as much as I can. Um, Definitely dancing. Um, that's sustained. That's like a, that's like a path that's going to run as long as it can. Mm. And that's really helping me to keep my sanity. And, you know, um, I mean that with that comes self-care and exercise. And I guess the one thing that I've understood if all of us have understood is health, like dancing keeps my health pretty much at, you know, reason, a reasonable manner that I can do what I love. Mm. So, um, and setting boundaries. Yeah. That's something has been challenging. So that's really has changed the way I look at things and how I should process people and situations. So that's something, those are some of the things I've tried to sustain as much as I can. Yeah, great. Thank you so much, Deepa. Your wisdom has been sensational. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Touch or the first, is it the first iteration of Touch oh. at Emerging Choreographers Program in a couple of weeks? Woo-hoo. I, I'm i calling it glimpses of Touch. That's <laughs> literally what it is. It's a very soft touch. <laughs> yes, it's very, 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 very ultra soft. <laughs> it's amazing. It's been great to have you on. Thank you for joining us and chatting with us today. You're an amazing woman, such an inspiration. You guys are lovely artists. I'm so I'm so grateful that um, I could meet both of you and all of you in the ECP. It's such a lovely experience. Yeah, it's been a, it's a great program, absolutely. And these connections will yeah drive us into the future, right? This is at the end. Possibilities are endless. So, absolutely. Yeah, let's, keep, let's keep at it. So thank you so much, Steve. We'll let you go.